bounces, hit well into center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here. Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run. At the plate is Mike Trout. The pitch on its way. It's blasted out to dead center field. Out of here. Ball gets away. He's going to break for the plate. Ball game is over. The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning. This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Happy 2021 and welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast. My name is Trent Rush, fired up to be with you here on this January day. My goodness, so glad we could put 2020 behind us and look ahead to the 2021 season. There's a lot of news to get to, and we are going to get to that uh, coming up in a little bit in regards to Major League Baseball as a whole. There's a report that uh, the LA Times was talking about earlier this week about what it's going to be like for fans to be back at the ballpark. Obviously, local uh, government jurisdictions are, are going to have uh, their thoughts on this kind of thing, and that's going to weigh into it. But MLB has at least set a standard, and baseball is planning uh, to have everything start on time and planning uh, to have a full 162-game season. I, I don't want to get too excited for that just yet. Who knows how things are going to shake out. Uh, I'll tell you this. If there's one thing that I have learned from this pandemic time, it's that I can't plan for anything, and that's uh, is just kind of the way it seems. You might want to set your plans, but uh, for them to actually come to fruition, uh, hard to get a gauge on that. My goodness, what a first show of the year we have for you today. Uh, we're going to hear from David Fletcher, the Angels' star middle infielder. I want to call him the star second baseman because I think he can be an all-star at that position. But, if boy, if baseball ever puts together a utility position for the all-star game, there is nobody better suited for that than David Fletcher. Played everywhere last year, third, short, uh, obviously second base played in the outfield. Fletch did everything. We talk about that. Plus, he's got like the the best cult following there is of any player in baseball, I think, right now. And uh, we'll address some of that as well. So David Fletcher coming up in a little bit. And then after our conversation with David Fletcher, Joe Madden spoke at the faux winter meetings. And um, there were no actual winter meetings this year. They were all done via Zoom and online. But uh, Joe Madden, at the end of December, still spent some time with reporters to to go through a lot of different Angels topics. We're going to hear from Joe, I'm going to weigh in uh, on some of his thoughts and give some of mine as well as we look ahead to this 2021 season and uh, what is to come. But without further ado, here's our conversation with David Fletcher. All right, so joining us now, he's the man, the myth, the do everything for the Angels. David Fletcher joining us right now. Fletch, what's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Of course. Hey, uh, I do want to know if there's an escape room left in Orange County that uh, has gone unfinished now that you've had maybe a little extra time on your hands uh, here in this uh, 2020, now 21, uh, start to this season. <laughs> um, not many. We, we've actually we've been doing a, a lot of them with the with the downtime, especially in the off season and with not much else going on around here. So, uh, yeah, there's probably not many left. I think there, it's fun to do that stuff. I know that you know people have talked a lot about you know you're, you're like the puzzles guy. I mean, when it comes to everything, you use your brain in a lot of different ways for like fun. It kind of seems like, uh, but those are a good time. And it's like it, it's something that's safe, quarantine wise. You know, it's just you in there. They keep it clean. Um, that that's pretty fun. I, I would imagine that uh, that is something that it was it you and your wife that you guys do those together. Yeah, uh, we have we have fun doing it. It kind of keeps our brain working and 
and it's competitive for us. So, uh, yeah, we definitely enjoy those. Yeah, we, we've talked before about just your competitive nature, which is pretty cool to see, and I think Angel fans get a chance to see that all the time. Um, do you watch a lot of sports, Fletch? Like, did you watch the championship football game last night? I caught part of it. I watch a lot of NFL football, uh, and then I'll watch the playoffs of the other sports. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, as now you start to get ready uh, for this season. I mean, all of a sudden we get to the point where we're all you know we're about a month away uh, from things really getting going here. And I know that this year it's like especially hard to try to figure out. Okay, when are we starting? When, what's going on? Um, what's your off season regiment been like this year? And, and has it kind of varied from years past? Uh, for me, it's been the same this year. I I just get ready for uh, when our normal reporting date is, and then if it ends up changing from there, I'll adjust from there. But uh, for me, it's been pretty normal. Do you, like, swing the whole off season? Do you take time off? Like, how does that typically work for you? Uh, for me, I only take a couple weeks off, um, and then I start building up slowly. So I start hitting in, a, in around November, early November, and then maybe ground balls later in November and throw in and uh, that way I have a few months to kind of slowly build up the spring training sure yeah I I know last season uh, was I mean it was an interesting year in a lot of different ways but I thought one of the real bright spots for maybe you individually was I felt like Fletch you showed once again your your consistency I I thought that you solidified your spot playing every single day at the top of the lineup in in some ways do you feel like the past year maybe was like some validation for you at the big league level um I don't know about validation um I mean for me I I don't really look too far ahead or I just try to stay in the present and kind of focus on what's going on but um it is nice to to get consistent playing time and um yourself in the lineup every day for sure Uh, people talk about how hard it is to get to the big leagues and then they say it's even harder to stay there um is that something for you i mean it doesn't seem that way it seems like you just do your thing and uh it works out but is that something that you've kind of experienced so far um a little bit i mean it is it's pretty tough just to get there if you look at how many minor league guys uh never make it the small percentage uh i think once you get up here it's about making um, adjustments and and uh, being able to to adjust to what they're doing to you in in, uh, in the batter's box and what the pitchers are trying to do and uh, if you can keep adjusting every year and keep getting better I think um, I think that's the key. We're talking with David Fletcher right now. You know Fletch, your skipper Joe Madden has like raved about you time and time again. A, a lot of it having to do with the way you play. I mean, the fact you hit to all fields, you, you really don't strike out. You can kind of plug and play at any position. You know, historically, it, it seems like every era has, you know, several of those guys that can kind of do that. And you're seeing less and less of it now. Have you ever thought about maybe why that is? And, and there's not a whole lot of guys in baseball today that kind of approach the game like you do? Um, yeah, that's a good there definitely are a lot of less uh, guys that kind of put the ball in play and uh, use the whole field. Uh, I don't know why that is. Maybe it does seem like guys try to be more home run hitters nowadays, kind of all or nothing guys. But, um, yeah, that's a good question. Is that something that you feel like you realized when you were younger that's like, okay, if, if I'm going to have a shot, this is the way I got to play? Or have, have things just kind of seemed to go that way for you? 
Um, I think it just naturally happened. But I mean, when I'm up there, I'm I'm competing and uh, I, I'm I'm trying to get on base, and I, my goal is to not make an out, basically. Uh, so if I don't make an out, that's kind of a win for me. So it's uh, I mean, I can't see myself going up there and giving away at bats. Uh, kind of treated any different so I think it's just the competitiveness of of me not wanting to let the pitcher get me out from an approach perspective I mean we, we've talked a lot you know on this end about you know how few strikeouts you you have and how you're always putting the ball in play and doing a lot of those things well and you know kind of like you're saying just the competitive side of it of not making it out and having that kind of approach what's the mentality like when a count gets to when a count gets to one two and you know a one-one pitch, it's it's close. You take it now. Now you're you're set one-two. What are you thinking in that moment about what you're trying to do with the plate, and maybe just kind of what you would like to accomplish on the next pitch? Um, I mean, it's, it's not like when I get to two strikes, I'm thinking don't strike out. It's more uh, I'm still want to be aggressive and and get something to drive. Uh, but it's definitely kind of a. Uh, more of a fight mentality when you get two strikes and those close pitches fouling them off or making the guy work. Uh, and ultimately, if I can fight off enough pitches, I'll, I'll end up getting a good one and then uh, see what I can do with that. But with two strikes, I still want to be aggressive and uh, want to make him work for work for an out. Sure. Fletch, you and I have talked about your defense, too, and you've said some pretty interesting things in the past. But I would imagine like the biggest challenge – uh, you're playing shortstop one day, third base the next, then you're at second, then you got to fill in in the outfield. I think a lot of fans probably realize that that's a really tough thing to do, but maybe don't quite understand why. Why is that such a challenge? Why is that such a hard thing when, when you're bouncing around different positions all the time? And I know you make it look easy, but I know that, that can't be easy to do. Uh, yeah, but probably the toughest thing is just the angles off the bat and getting the, the live balls off the bat. You can simulate everything in, in uh, taking ground balls and in batting practice, but it's a little different when the game comes and the ball uh, comes off the bat, whether you're playing third uh, or second or short uh, or outfield even. It's, it's all a little different, but once you get past the, that part and get enough, uh, enough game reps at each spot, then it's just about uh, getting all the reps in batting practice. And, and um, I always feel prepared going into the game no matter where I'm playing because I just get all my work done before the game and then when the game starts you just go out there and uh, just go make every play you can and kind of have fun with it but uh, yeah as long as you prepare right you should feel pretty comfortable in the game so as somebody that uh, you've basically been an infielder your entire life, I know coming up we always were a shortstop, and I've spent a lot of time at second base here at the big league level, some third as well. Um, and, and then maybe Joe Madden comes up to you and says, hey, Fletch, tomorrow we're going to need you to give us a little lift out in the outfield. Uh, what's your thought process when, when your manager comes and maybe says something like that to you? Um, not, not much of a thought process. It's kind of uh, I mean, I, I've prepared for that before that even happens, uh, whether it's spring training, getting reps out there. Uh, and even if I haven't played in the outfield in a, a few weeks, I, I go out there and take a couple fly balls and make sure I'm ready just in case because I know that could always happen. I want to talk about something that's pretty interesting to me, and that is the David Fletcher persona 
Dennis online. Fletch, are you aware of what your Twitter cult is like? <laughs> uh, I've seen, I've had people send me pictures of uh, different memes on there that are pretty funny. So I've seen a little bit of it. Hey, how how tempting is it to like want to respond to some of these? I I, t- I think it's just hilarious. I mean, the the fans love you, Fletch. Yeah, I mean it, it's awesome to have uh, so many people rooting for you, and uh, I mean ha- have fans like that is is pretty uh, inspiring to me. Yeah, does it ever like catch off guard? Like, holy cow! Like th- th- this is this is nuts. I mean, uh, especially like All Star time, it kind of seems like that that picks up a lot, and um, just whenever like you make a great play, it's like they treat you like I mean you're like the Chuck Norris of baseball. It's like the coolest thing. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, <laughs> yeah, they would say yeah, so. Like I said, it's pretty cool to see all the fan support and and uh, kind of get recognized by the fans like that. We're talking with David Fletcher right now here on Angels Radio. Fletch, uh, last season, it was so strange for everybody and for, for fans not to be at the ballpark, and you guys basically had to be separated so much throughout the course of the season. A lot of people have talked about just how strange that was, but what was, like, the weirdest part of last season for you? Uh, probably playing with no fans at, the, at first. It was – I mean, the whole year it was weird, but especially at first before we got used to it, it was uh, it was different coming out before the game and having no one in the stands. But um, game starts, it's the same game. It's nothing different, but just the feeling to me before the game uh, was definitely different. I know you're not necessarily the biggest talker out there, but, there, I mean, there's a lot of chatter that goes on on the diamond. Did any of it ever cross your mind of like, well, there's not background noise anymore. There's there's not a lot of fans here. Did that? Did you ever think about that when people were kind of talking on the bases like, oh, let's make sure a microphone doesn't catch us? Not really. The the stadiums did a really good job with playing all that fake fake crowd noise. Uh, a couple of them actually got pretty loud. Yeah. But the noise thing wasn't too different than a normal game actually. At some stadiums, it was even louder, it seemed like. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't think uh, that was too much of a factor. Sure. With, with you guys being spread out, too, I mean, you didn't get that, you know, that precious clubhouse time. And as, as a member of the media, I'll just tell you, Fletch, I hate going in the clubhouse. Uh, I mean, for me, that's, that's the player space. I don't know that, you know, reporters necessarily need to be in there. I, I get why you got to have the conversations, but uh, I don't love going in there. That, that's your space. But at the same time, um, you guys didn't even really get to go in there this year. How much of a factor do you think that had, not just for, for this team, but just baseball-wide, how much of a challenge is it to try to maintain the camaraderie and have the relationships that you have when you're not necessarily able to be in that space together? Uh, yeah, I mean, team chemistry is a huge, a huge deal, and uh, I think it translates to winning a lot. Um, and there was definitely – a little bit less this year, but I don't think it was like uh, as bad as you would think with us not being able to see each other. I mean, we were we were still around each other every day, and uh, I mean, obviously, obviously, some guys were a little less, and uh, some higher risk guys were uh, kind of away from the team a little more. But uh, I mean, the clubhouse—you're still around 80 percent of the guys. 
at least being able to talk to everybody every day. So I don't think it's made a huge impact, but definitely uh, maybe affected a little bit. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, again, you know, unless you're wearing a big league uniform, you didn't get to see uh, what was going on kind of behind the scenes this year, which is a little different uh, than in years past. Fletch, as you look ahead to this 2021 season, and obviously the expectations for this Angels team and a lot of teams across baseball, but I know that, you know, here with the Angels, it's to get to the playoffs and then to succeed and win a World Series uh, once you get there. But when you look at a personal level for you, what do you feel like you want to accomplish for this upcoming season? Um, I mean, obviously, like you said, making the playoffs, and, and uh, we haven't made the playoffs in I don't know how many years since I've been up for sure. Uh, but that'd be nice to make playoffs. It's obviously the number one goal, and then, and then go from there. But uh, for me, I don't really set goals on on my season. But I don't think I've ever really done that. It's more just uh, little goals, like every day uh, showing up ready to play and uh, like being a tough out every every pitch and not giving away at bats and not giving away pitches. Uh, that, those are my goals, kind of on a day to day basis, and I can just let the rest uh, rest of the chips kind of fall where they do. Fletch, there are a lot of young players that look up to you in so many ways, and I think you resonate. Uh, with a, a lot of uh, young baseball players that are trying to cut their teeth in this game and rise up. And, and for a lot of them, they haven't had a whole lot of opportunity, particularly in the last 10 months, to get a lot of reps and play in games and what they would u- usually do. As somebody right. that kind of had to do things on your own this year to, to get ready for the season and now in the offseason preparing, what kind of advice would you give uh, to, to maybe high school or college players that are, are trying to make it through this and don't necessarily have the opportunity to be on their campus to get ready for a season? What, what kind of advice would you give to them? Uh, I would say there's, there's a million ways for you to get better and I mean, there's a lot of excuses that you can make right now of ways that you uh, missing out on team practices or missing out on playing games, uh, not being able to go places. But there's there's a lot of things you can do at home, workout-wise, in the gym, uh, running, little agility things. Uh, a lot of things you can do to get better. Go out to the field with a buddy on your own or taking swings wherever you can get them at a cage or in your backyard. I think there's a lot of ways to get better and um, I think if you really want it, you'll find a way to do those things. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And, I mean, that that's a really that's great advice right there and a really good approach you have. By the way, uh, Fletch, how's Dom doing? Uh, he's doing good. He's, he's uh, finishing school right now, uh, but he's, he's with the Diamondbacks and uh, hopefully being double-A this year, so hopefully we'll up there in a few years. All right. Well, I look forward to that. Maybe a chance to, to see you guys uh, at spring training once again. Uh, I know that you were on the field there, or at least in the came out and watched uh, in the dugout when he played in that spring training game last season. Uh, that was pretty cool. Hey, Fletch, I really appreciate the time. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your offseason, and I guess we're going to see you, I think, like in a month from now. Crazy, but uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
There he is, everybody's favorite, David Fletcher, and uh, great to have him uh, here on this uh, first Angels Recap Podcast of 2021. You know, we're going to be here for you every Wednesday uh, for the foreseeable future, so if you have not subscribed yet, make sure you do that, and uh, you want to get the alert that the podcast is available before I even post it on Twitter or uh, the Angels do or however it gets out there. Uh, you want to make sure that you're a subscriber wherever you listen to podcasts, uh, you know, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where I listen, uh, different ways, all these podcasting sites it's there and if you don't really listen to podcasts other than this one well keep on going to angels.com slash podcast and uh, they're all listed right there uh really cool stuff that uh, is going on at angels.com and keeping you uh thinking about angels baseball while the season may not be too far away at least that was according to an la times report uh that came out that there is some optimism that uh major league baseball is telling owners again uh, i don't have this firsthand but i i have seen the reports that uh, they're trying to get the season to be 162 games Games. I'll say this. Last year, the 60-game season, uh, well, that was not a season. And I thought the playoffs were legitimate. Uh, I thought the Dodgers were the rightful champs last year. But I, I thought 60 games uh, was simply not enough uh, to really justify, especially because when you look at like the Angels case in particular, as much as they struggled – at the end of July and through August, when they got to September, they started playing good baseball. And I think the Angels were just starting to hit their stride. Had the Angels had their September actually be in May, and you could look at what would be following that for the Halos, I think it could have been a much different 2020 uh, for this Angels team. But, uh, you know, you can't play the ifs and buts game, but that, that's just the right the way it goes. And now you got to prove it on the field here in 2021. And hopefully the Angels will have a chance to do that with 162 games and with you at the ballpark. That's important, too. And, and part of what uh, the L.A. Times report included would be how fans could be at the ballpark. And that would be pod seating. It, it would not be full stadiums. It would be uh, reduced for sure. You would have to wear a mask with the exception of while you're eating or drinking. So that's going to be part of it uh, as well. And, and also, uh, again, you know, MLB can set their standards, but it's going to come down uh, to local jurisdictions and making the rules there. So there's some areas where that's going to be more restrictive than others. But again, this is all just kind of uh, part of the landscape that we are in now here in 2021. But uh, I certainly was encouraged to see a plan from MLB about how to get fans uh, back safely into ballparks. And that's certainly something uh, I am looking forward to. 2020, it just it wasn't right. It was too short and also... It was just not the same without you here. Angels baseball, all of baseball, all of sports, it's not the same without the fans. And I think that if there's one positive takeaway that you can take uh, from the last calendar year, it's that I think everybody appreciates just how special the fans are to our games, particularly in baseball. Uh, just the energy is there. You know, David Fletcher kind of referenced that. You can pump in the crowd noise, and, and that helped to make things seem normal-ish. But it, there's no replacing the energy of a live audience and a live crowd that's just engaged and active in everything. You know, I I did, you know, I was fortunate enough to be at the ballpark for games last season, home games anyway. And when you're looking at the field and when my, my line of sight is between the lines and I'm watching the game itself, things felt normal. But Anytime you looked anywhere else, or in the case of you know, when I had to go walk back to the studio and I had to walk on the concourse level to get back to the postgame show, sometimes I would leave um, in the ninth inning and, and the game would be going on and I'd be walking on an empty concourse with nobody there. And, th and that was just downright eerie. So I'm super hopeful that we're going to have everybody back in the ballpark uh, this upcoming season. Also did want to mention this, and um, this was sad news at the end of last week when we learned about the passing of Tommy Lasorda, who was a great ambassador for baseball for over seven decades and what he meant to the game and obviously people know about what he meant to the Dodgers organization 
As somebody that has grown up in Orange County and have, I've lived here my entire life, I feel like Tommy Lasorda was an ambassador for Orange County baseball as well, a county that has uh, provided and produced some of the best baseball players in the world. But Tommy Lasorda, who spent most of his life living in Fullerton and, and what he meant uh, to this county and this area for the game of baseball, I, I don't think can be um, appreciated enough. I think Tommy Lasorda is an icon for Orange County baseball. And I always felt an extra special connection to Tommy Lasorda. I didn't know him too well. I met him on a couple of occasions. But through Mike Sosha and the time that Sosha spent with this Angels organization, I always felt like we were getting a little taste of Tommy. And, you know, the, the, the two were very different in a lot of different ways, with the exception being their passion and love of the game of baseball. And I was also, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain that Tommy was, was very proud of Mike Sosha's career. And I almost I remember this vividly when Sosha passed Lasorda for career wins. Sosha almost was like, I'm not embarrassed, but he, he was not comfortable, it seemed like, passing somebody that he respected and admired as much as Tommy Lasorda. He really downplayed it. And, and you know, in the media, you talk about it and, you know, it gets written about and talked about on, on shows like this and that kind of thing. But I really think that that was something that was a, a little bit uncomfortable for Soch because he had so much respect uh, for Tommy Lasorda. Um, that was just something that always kind of stuck with me and just uh, the love of the game and the treatment. And, um, you know, I feel very fortunate to have at least had a handful of interactions uh, with Tommy Lasorda because uh, of his relationship uh, with, with, with Soch and also, you know, living in Fullerton and coming down uh, to the Big A. Uh, and it's been pretty neat seeing the outpouring of love uh, for Tommy Lasorda across Major League Baseball. I do want to shift gears uh, for a second to talk about this upcoming season. Joe Madden spent some time with reporters uh, via Zoom after the faux winter meetings talking about some Angels hot topics, some key questions going on. And one of the big things for the Angels coming back here in this 2021 season is Joe's basically going to keep his entire coaching staff intact. And that is a really big deal on so many different levels. Joe talked about how important it is to be able to have his entire coaching staff back for another season. I love it. I love the continuity, man. Um, had it for a while in Tampa Bay. Had it for a couple of years um, with the Cubbies too. It's so it's so important. It's so important um, to if you get the same group working together um, uh, on a daily basis. The conversations are so much better, easier, transparent. Guys aren't worried about offending. It's it's just so good. And the players find that comfort zone too. So. Uh, yeah, I, I like it a lot. You know, when I think about great coaching staffs, I think about the one that he was a part of in 2002. When you think about Buddy Black and obviously Joe and, you know, the, all the key pieces there under Mike Socia and just the amount of uh, brilliant baseball minds when you can have this staff be together. And I think there's a really good staff here. I think that Mickey Calloway is an outstanding pitching coach and Jeremy Reed uh, does a lot for the hitters uh, as far as being the batting coach is concerned. I, I think Bussy keeps things light with the guys. I think Brian Butterfield, third base coach but um, in so many ways it helps out uh, just tremendously uh, with this coaching staff I think Brian Butterfield just a really brilliant baseball man uh, that helps in so many ways and you have a really good bench coach too in gags Mike Gallego uh, who's been uh, you know part of the Angels uh, staff here for a little bit but uh, as, a, as a bench coach I think he brings a lot for Joe Madden those guys real baseball men that understand the game uh, at a very high level and I think they feed off each other uh, pretty well so I uh, good for Joe that he's able to kind of uh, keep this hand 
pick staff together and, and get another run at this. I, I don't know how you could make that move after just 60 games uh, to, to make a change. And, and clearly, we, I say that I say that to an extent because I think if Joe wanted to make a change and he saw that these guys maybe weren't putting the work in that he was asking, or you know, the coaching staff the whole time before the 60-game season began, they were like in constant communication, the, the coaching staff was. So Joe was always keeping tabs uh, on what was going on with the guys who were always checking in with players. So I, I think he actually had a long time to evaluate his staff, you know, maybe not so much on the field in terms of only the 60-game window, but but really the whole year going from beginning of spring training all the way through, even during the, the time when really nothing was going on, the coaching staff was working to try to improve this club. So clearly uh, Joe Madden liked what he saw there. I should mention this though, there was one change to the Angels coaching staff. Uh, they made an addition and that was by bringing in Bruce Jeter Hines uh, to the Angels staff and this is going to be his 24th season in the organization. He'll be serving as uh, the outfield coach and, and the first base coach for the Angels. He was previously the Angels first base coach back in 1991. Spent 22 years as a part of Angels baseball from 84 to 90 and then again from 94 to 2008. He served as a scout, minor league coach, as a minor league manager and instructor. Uh, clearly, he's got a, a long background with Joe Madden, too. But this is an Angels lifer uh, that is uh, joining Joe Madden's staff here at the big league level. So that uh, was pretty cool. All right, let's shift gears to pitching uh, for just a moment. We all know the Angels' pitching needs to be better. The bullpen's been addressed uh, to a certain extent, and, and you'd like to see more come as far as starters are concerned. But another thing that Perry Manassian has talked about, too, is having some of the guys that are here perform to their abilities and be able to be at that high level. And, and certainly the Angels, I'm sure, would like to get multiple starting pitchers for this rotation uh, to come here before spring training begins in about seven, eight weeks or so. Uh, but in the meantime... You, you you gotta look at what's here now and how those guys can be better. And a big name that's a huge part of that is Shohei Otani, who, in my opinion, you gotta give this guy another year as being a two-way player. We just haven't had a chance to truly see it since 2018, just because of injuries being a, a huge reason why. But you wanna see what Shohei Otani can do. Give it one more honest shot of seeing if he can be the dynamic two-way player that he is because if he's you know a, a pitcher only, well, he's got the arm trouble and you worry about the splitter and how he gets that right and how you use him in that sense. And then as far as the hitting is concerned, well, he doesn't play a defensive position, so you're kind of limited already there, and he still struggles against left-handers. So, you know, to, if you're going to talk about like a platoon DH, well, that's, that's a tough spot for there to be. And based on what he did in 2020, I think that there is certainly cause uh, to be a little bit concerned there. But the reason why I'm not concerned is, like I've said before, I'm not reading too much in into what 2020 numbers were. Shohei Otani, for me, is a guy that rises to the moment. He is somebody that feeds off the adrenaline of the crowd. He is somebody that is ready uh, for that big spotlight when it happens. Think back to his first spring training and how brutal he was that spring. I mean, we were all nervous. and It was almost hard to justify why Shohei Otani was on the opening day roster for the Angels that year, and then you look at the first week that he has, and it's like, oh, okay, this guy is for real. Uh, I, I think that he's somebody that needs to play in the big atmosphere and maybe empty crowds. I don't know. It, it, different guys react in different ways. I think for Shohei, that might have been part of it, but um, he's getting healthier as far as we know. Things are going really well for him, as Perry Manassian reported uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Shohei is doing really well, and Joe Madden was asked 
if he could put Otani's name in the top of his rotation in pen, not pencil, basically solidifying, does Shohei Otani have a spot? Here's what Joe had to say. No, he's doing really well. Um, I want it to be in pen. Yeah, it just depends on his health. Everything I'm hearing is good. Um, so, yes, um, without any setbacks, which I don't anticipate, I anticipate writing it in pen. Um, so I'm hearing good stuff. And just think about all those other names with a couple added via acquisition yet somehow. Um, really exciting, excited about that. Um, uh, just like I talked about last year, I think uh, six-man rotation is definitely uh, going to be in vogue this year uh, on a, among a lot of different teams. So you're looking, again, for depth and quality and depth. And, uh, of course, uh, Shohei's a big part of that as long as he's well, and he is right now. I'm eager to see him in a 162. Everybody, you know, what happened last year, uh, whether it's as a hitter or as a pitcher, it's tough to look at that 60-game season and either get too excited about somebody that hadn't done it before or, or too down on somebody that had. So uh, come in with just get everybody in there well, healthy, have a good camp, and let us figure it out from there. I think it's interesting that Joe mentions how a six-man rotation could be in vogue for a lot of different teams across baseball. Clearly, if Shohei Otani is one of the six, uh, I, I think that would be really important. And you can kind of see a, a pretty clear four right now of the six. If you're going to include Shohei Otani when you're adding Dylan Bundy to that conversation, you're looking at Andrew Heaney and Griffin Canning. And certainly, you'd like to see two more starting pitchers. Maybe Patrick Sandoval gets close to there. Jose Suarez, close. Jaime Berea, close. All guys that I think could benefit from time in AAA, and it, you know, if, if that's your AAA rotation, and then you know somebody goes down and you need someone to be a spot starter coming up for you, well, then you got some rotation depth, and you got really something uh, cooking there. So I, I think that if the Angels were able to add two more starters and you know really fill out the six-man rotation, I think that could be a good thing. And there's still so many options out there, and I know I've talked about this before, but you know, Joe Musgrove is somebody that could be out there. Uh, um, we saw, you know, the Dar- the Darvish move and Snell move, but there's there's still so many other options, and it doesn't just have to be Trevor Bauer either. Jake Odorizzi has had better career numbers uh, before last season than Trevor Bauer did. I, I think Masahiro Tanaka. I know there are reports that he may not want to uh, play uh, in the United States if he doesn't re-sign with the Yankees, but you know Tanaka could help out. I, I think in, in such a big way uh, for this Angels staff. You know, Herman Marquez with Colorado. I don't know what he's available. I don't know what the price would be for Herman Marquez, but man, I I love the way uh, this guy pitches. And I'm sure the ask for the Reds, Luis Castillo, in, in terms of prospects, would be just an astronomical uh, ask that Cincinnati would want in return. But at the same time, uh, there are options for the Angels. There are different ways that they can go to help make this rotation better. So so I, I'm with Joe. I, I think that if you look at the names that are here now and you add a couple more pieces, I think it's a rotation that can be pretty good with a much upgraded bullpen and, and position players in place for this to be uh, a true contender. And that's why I'm remaining optimistic about the Angels in 2021. Like I've said, there, there still are some moves that need to be made, but I think the Angels are absolutely heading in the right direction. Another question mark for the Angels this upcoming year will be what's going to happen in right field. Well, you know, Joe Adele came up last year, played about a month, and there's no question about it. He struggled, and he showed that he's not quite ready for the major leagues. But in the meantime, well, now what are the Angels going to do in right field? Uh, they're probably going to have to go get somebody uh, externally to fill a spot. you got to at least... Uh, give Joe Adele, I would think, some time at the AAA level. But you know, let's get Joe Madden's thoughts on uh, Joe Adele in his first year in the bigs. 
Well, Joe was kind of rushed up there, obviously. Um, Joe did not have the benefit of a normal minor league season before he got there. X number of at-bats, regular at-bats, seeing opposition pitchers throwing to him, that adrenaline thing that you get you get out there and you compete a little bit better with. He didn't have the benefit. No, nobody did, uh, but he didn't have that benefit. So again, to evaluate him based on just what you saw last year could be very dangerous if you choose to go negative. This guy, great athlete, obviously. This guy, uh, really bright, great teammate, great work ethic, and retains information extremely well. That's what I learned about him last year. So for me, yeah, he needs more time in the minor leagues, no question. But he's like, I, I'm certain, given that opportunity, you're going to see what you thought you were going to see in the first place. That was a tough uh, moment for him last year. And the way it started, it didn't start really well for him. And it started spinning very quickly, which happens to many guys that came up from the minors to the major leagues. He needs uh, a normal pattern next year to get himself rolling. But this guy is ultra talented. He, he has a lot of great things going for him. He needs a normal year to get, to get his feet back underneath him. You know, let's not forget one thing. Joe Adele started 2019 in A-ball and played 27 games of AAA baseball. Okay, he he would have been the perfect candidate last year to spend five months playing in AAA and then be a September call up and then start his big league career at that point. And I think that at that point, you might have seen Joe Adele ready to play at the major leagues. This guy just he simply needs more time uh, to, to mature as a hitter and, and as a defender as well, uh, especially as a defender. But I, I think mentally he's there. I, I think things are going to be really good for Joe Adele once he's able to, to dial some things in. And, and I, I would expect Joe Adele to, to take the experience of the time he spent at the big league level and learn a lot from that. I, I think with some seasoning in the minor leagues, this guy could still be a very talented, very special player, as Joe Madden uh, alluded to. He, he just needs more time, and I, I think you got to give him an honest shake and, and, and trying to, to judge what this 2020 year was like when he's played 27 games at AAA. I, I think it is way too soon to rush to judgment uh, on Joe Adele. You know, we spent a lot of time talking about Perry Manette and we're going to hear uh, from the Angels' new GM uh, coming up in our next segment. But in the meantime, here's what Joe Madden had to say about what he's thought of his new GM's moves so far. Big fan. I, again, this is a perfect example of um, Perry going after some identifying guys and going after them and getting them. Both Iglesias's. I mean, I've I've been I've, I've known Jose from Detroit, then Boston, and then Cincinnati, and then Basiel uh, from Cincinnati. Believe me, this guy is a relief pitcher. We've known if you've been in the NL Centro, this guy's as good as it gets. And then the other guy, the shortstop, the difference, the thing that's been surprising people about uh, Jose is the fact that he's gotten so much better offensively. He's been getting better gradually for a while. Uh, it's just now he's getting stronger, a little bit older. But this guy is a flair for defense, as you know. Uh, he's got great energy. Um, I, I talked to Brandon Hyde about him. Hyder said, tremendous influence in the clubhouse so for all those different reasons that all this stuff that I didn't really know for certain that I'm hearing from reliable people I'm really eager to work with them I called them on the phone outstanding conversation
Yeah, I mean, I like the moves too, and both the Glacius guys are, are tough too, and they're gonna they're gonna have a little bit of a, a grit to them in the way that they play, and I think that that could uh, be good for this Angels team, and that could be a, a step uh, closer to to that championship level uh, that you want to see this team get to. But overall, Joe also weighed in on his impressions of his new GM. The part about it is, I think he's one of the few guys I've run into lately that really embraces what had happened, or like the more of the, and I, for lack of better method of describing it, the old school stuff. Um, I think he really, he really gets that part of it. He gets the heartbeat. Uh, he gets the, the way to build a team, just not necessarily based on only the future, but you might have to get some guys in there to resonate in the present. Um, I, I think he balances things. And again, I, I guess you're all, we're always speaking from our own uh, methods and our own uh, ideas of how things should be done. And he and I are really kind of kindred baseball spirits when it comes down to uh, how they should be done. Oh, yeah, the M&M boys. Forget Mansell and Maris. It's about Madden and Manassian. Uh, I kid a, a little bit there. But I think it's going to be a really good marriage uh, with those two. And I think when those guys are on the same page and have the same idea for what they want the club to look like, I think that's going to be a really important thing and is going to bode well for the Angels. It's not going to happen overnight. And that's the other part, too. I, I think that this Angels club right now is ripe to have something special happen if they're able to get some more pitching. I, I think that the position players are there. I think the bullpen is there. I think the starting pitchers that are in place are good, but with some help, I, I think that this rotation can, can be really solid, and this can be uh, a team that can be a force, and uh, like I said, it, it does not happen overnight. It's going to take a little bit of time, but I think that 2021 uh, could be the beginning of a window that could be very uh, fortuitous for the Angels uh, if things go the right way, and I think that they have the right leadership in place uh, for that to happen. Alright, that's going to just about do it for us here on this first installment of the Angels Recap Podcast. Thanks to David Fletcher uh, for joining us on the show. Of course, you can also catch the Halos Hot Stove Show that we are doing uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays pretty much uh, throughout the rest of the offseason going into spring training. And uh, who knows, it may continue uh, after that. We just got to kind of wait and see how that all goes. But uh, yeah, Hot Stove coverage is well underway on the Home of Angels Baseball on the radio AM830 KLAA across Southern California. You can find it uh, on the web as well, am830.net. For all of us here at AM830 that put this show together, my name is Trent Rush. Thanks to you for following along, for subscribing, and being a part of our Angels baseball family. I can't wait to have you at the ballpark in 2021. I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to be. But when that day comes, my goodness, it is going to be exciting. In the meantime, thanks for checking in, and let's keep this thing going. We'll talk to you next week here on the Angels Recap Podcast.